0: Jimmy King is the greatest wrestler of all time. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! Mm, Let's
1: get ready to rumble!
0: We gotta find the king. What do you say? How far is Atlanta from here?
1: The film strip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Ready to Rumble, starring David Arquette. Scott Conn, Rose McGowan, Oliver Platt, Joe Pantoliano, and a bunch of the late 90s, early 2000s era WCW wrestlers. Directed by Brian Robbins, known best probably for Varsity Blues, released in April of 2000 on a budget of $24 million. It grossed $32.4 million
0: in its theatrical run. So Brian, why are Tw- we
1: talking about Ready to Rumble?
0: Let's think about this, Jake. Twenty four 20- million dollars it's a lot of dome wcw the company that this was produced and built by lost 80 million dollars in 2000 when this movie came out how much of that was this (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how did they lose 80 well we'll get into that i guess but god Oh, yes. Uh, You you thought some NBA teams were poorly run. Yes. To answer your question, Jay, we are doing Ready to Rumble as a part of kind of a tradition here on Filmstrip for the WrestleMania lead up here. WrestleMania is just a few days away from our release here, and we are... Geared up. Last year, we did No Holds Barred, which I gotta say is one of our best podcasts ever. If you have not listened to it, you don't have to know the movie or anything to listen to this podcast. It's it's just fun. But uh this year, we decided we, we were looking at all these different movies that were wrestling related. You got Roddy Piper with They Live, but nobody really wants to sit through that. That's just terrible. Uh You've got all the Hulk Hogan movies out there that you could pick from. All the newer stuff, right? You got Triple H was in a movie recently. You've got the two or three John Cena movies that just came out, all the Stone Cold Steve Austin movies. But we thought we'd harken back to the days of old here and give you the one movie that was really WCW-related here, and that is the Ready to Rumble movie. And it caused such a firestorm, Jay, when it came out because of what happened afterwards.
1: Indeed. And I I guess for the uninitiated, Brian, you got to give us a basic outline of WCW during that era. Now, I want to throw in here with this. I, growing up in the South, WCW was my wrestling promotion, but when it was NWA and then it had changed to WCW, I watched that stuff on TBS all the time. I mean, it was on every Saturday. I would watch it, and I got so into that stuff, and when this movie came out, I was in college, and I had a group of buddies of mine, one of which reminds me so much of Scott Conn is so funny, but we would get together on Monday nights and watch, you know, Monday Nitro, and then we would do like a devotional afterward, which is kind of messed up now that I think about <laughs> it, but, but we would all sit around, you know, this one guy's house, Alan and and me Greg and Brian and Brad and Chris, all these guys, would we would sit and watch this show religiously. So I know it because we all grew up with it, but now for a lot of people, WCW was different and for you, it was a little different too. So what was WCW during that time?
0: Well, during this time, this is at, you know, at the height, or actually at the end, really, of the Monday Night Wars. This is, a uh, 2000, uh, round, let's see, this would have been about June, uh, of 2000-ish. No, actually probably April or May of 2000-ish. And what had happened, it was a big deal in WCW at the time, because what had happened was, um, They had turned the reins over to the WWF at the time, WWE now. Their head writer, Vince Russo, had taken over the reins in 1999, at the end of 1999. And he was given about three months, and they had booted him out for reasons not known other than wrestling is a backstabbing business. And someone convinced someone else higher than him that this guy wasn't ready. And so they booted him out, replaced him with the old guy who was there before, during the height of the NFL era, he bombed completely, so they replaced him again with the guy they were they replaced the first time, Vince Russo. And so it was a mixed-up era. WCW hadn't won a Monday Night World War in probably close to six months at the time. They were way behind in the ratings to WWE, WWF, who were going through their Attitude Era at the time. And, you know, they were trying to do anything they could to get brand recognition back to them and bring everyone back to the fold. So this was kind of brought in by Eric Bischoff as something to kind of, you know, give the wrestlers some more mainstream publicity. I guess you could say and then get a guy David arquette who at the time was actually a pretty popular actor based on the scream movies that had come out um so he had some name recognition there and also cuz he was dating Courtney Cox uh I don't know if they were married yet at this time I don't, I don't think they were married at that I don't point. think so either but Courtney Cox obviously was huge at the time with friends and so he was well into the news they brought him in he was a comedic actor as we all know and they made this movie, and uh, they p- plugged everything into this. So when the movie actually did come out, it would have been May of uh, 2000-ish, when the they did a wrestling event that mimicked the main event of the movie with the main event of that event. And David Arquette was brought in act- as an actual wrestler, ladies and gentlemen, to the WCW program, and WCW basically was dead because of it. Uh, They basically put the world championship on David Arquette for I believe it was two, maybe three weeks right before the pay-per-view. He was in the pay-per-view main event, by the way. I don't know if you remember that, Jay, but the Triple Cage was Jeff Jarrett versus Diamond Dallas Page versus David Arquette. (laughs) <laughs> How can I forget it? Ah uh, yes. And um you know, that was really the end of WCW. After they put the title on David Arquette, n- nobody watched them after that. They just gave up.
1: Well, again, why would you? How ridiculous is it that. It was I mean? very yeah.
0: ridiculous. Well, so and, that was the era.
1: You know, and we we look at this movie, they put it together. I said in the outset they got the director from Varsity Blues, which for those that may not remember it, that was the MTV kind of sexed up rock and roll version of what ultimately became Friday Night Lights which was a really good popular movie and and a great series you know it won't go any more than that they got that guy to direct it and they got the guy that wrote like the Mighty Ducks movies and Little Nicky and you know a comedic writer a guy that had had been an actor but had also been a writer had had some hits so they didn't exactly I mean this wasn't Hogan and McMahon on a cocaine (laughs) binge like no holds barred there were actual movie people involved In this, and look, I'll tell you right now, Oliver Platt. I mean, (laughs) he's—I've never pictured him as a wrestler, but he's a pretty good actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I like him, and he usually plays some kind of Lothario, you know, side character. But I like him. I I like Scott Kahn. He wasn't anything at this time. He's James Kahn's son. Now he's on the new Hawaii Five O, and he's been in all the Oceans movies and, and a lot of other stuff. He was in a really good movie called Buller Room. But he hadn't really done a lot at this point, so he was young. But they brought in people that were fresh faces. They put some spit
0: and polish on this thing, man. So why didn't it work? You spend the $24 million, and you get a pretty good, well-produced film out of it it's just crappy writing <laughs> i it's, mean that's well, what it really boils down to is number one I, I agree oliver platt good actor but honestly do you really you look at this guy and, and you put him up against these actual wrestlers of wcw at the time he looks like a joke
1: yeah oh no that i mean it, it and we'll have to get into that but yeah that was one of the some of the big mistakes they've made in this
0: well jay why don't you walk us through a, a, a little bit of a plot summary here before we get into kind of the meat of things here
1: Buddies and sewage workers Gordy, David Arquette, and Sean, Scott Kahn, are super fans of WCW champion wrestler Jimmy the King, played by Oliver Platt. And while attending a Monday Night Nitro to watch King defend his title, they witness him lose to Diamond Dallas Page, one of the stars of the era. And what they don't know is that WCW promoter Titus Sinclair, played by Pantaleono has set up their favorite wrestler to go down that night. It was a whole backstory, and they blame him for it immediately but they don't really know that that's what's happened. On the way back from the match, they survive a crash where their sewage truck turns over, and they decided it is their destiny to restore King to the top of the WCW. They go on a quest, and along the way they meet King's estranged wife, his parents, and they learn he isn't exactly as popular outside of the ring as he is in it. The two finally convince King to go along with their plan, and the trio goes to another Nitro event, where they meet a Nitro girl named Sasha, played by Rose McGowan, and they witness King get humiliated once again. But at the event, Sinclair uh, declares a triple cage match for an upcoming event. Says if King wins, he'll get the title and a million dollars, but if he loses, he can never wrestle in WCW again. King, of course, accepts the challenge, and the guys agree to help. Unfortunately, Gordy is brought back to his, quote, real life by his father who wants him to follow in the family footsteps and become a state police officer. Ultimately, it winds up with King having to face DDP and pretty much the rest of the wrestling company in a triple cage match alone. And just when all hope seems lost, Gordy crashes his police motorcycle into the cage, evil Knievel style. Gordy, Sean, and some of King's friends, WCW stars Goldberg, Booker T, and a few others, deal with DDP's posse, while King and DDP duke it out on the top of the cage. King finally gets the upper hand, throws DDP through the cage to the ring floor, allowing him to retrieve the belt, win the match, and the money. Titus Sinclair being booed by the fans and trying to get loose is cornered by Sean and Gordy who take out their frustrations on him and throw him into angry fans who continue to wail on him. And in the end, King is restored and asks Gordy to be his tag team partner and Sean to be their manager. And the group all ride off in the sunset together as credits roll. And that is the plot of Ready to Rumble. Now, first things first, we've got to talk about this whole Ready to Rumble business, okay? That is... The infamous phase, not infamous, the very famous, well known phrase of Michael Buffer, a, a well known ring announcer aficionado, if you will. He trademarked that actually, so we're probably going to have to pay him a few bucks just for saying it as many times as we have. But it is something generally <laughs> associated with boxing for the most part. How did that get into wrestling, and why would you name a wrestling movie after such
0: a popular boxing phrase? Well, you can thank Eric Bischoff for that, who, when was given a blank check from Ted Turner to make WCW into the number one wrestling promotion in the world over the WWF, that's one of the things he did, was bring in Michael Buffer to give it a big-time feel to introduce the main event of every Monday Nitro, as well as every pay-per-view. That's what they did, folks. They paid this guy to come, and... I'll tell you what, that guy sucks. You don't like Michael Buffer? I can't stand Michael Buffer. Oh, is it just I because of punch what him you- in the face every time he's on TV? Is he- it just because of what he adds to the wrestling thing or, or No, it's because his phrase is retardedly stupid and he is the most arrogant prick in the world.
1: Well, he—I uh, well, mean—he's arrogant enough to have copyrighted his own words, so or trademarked his own words. So uh, I guess that's—that says something for him. But
0: uh, uh, I, I don't—you I, know—I I, hated or him. I would literally every pay-per-view and Nitro, the—the the mute volume was on during all introductions that he was a part of. <laughs> so I did not well, want to hear it.
1: You know, I can take or leave him. On, honestly, I just thought it was interesting that they went with such a. <laughs> I don't know, such a, a boxing catchphrase, but you know, hey, it's better than the title that's in Japan: Headlock Go Go American Wrestling. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh,
0: that's fantastic. I, uh, I you,
1: you gotta love our uh, Asian friends there, but uh, yeah, I guess they know we should get into translate. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I guess we should get into this thing, and oh, it man. it opens with this montage of like classic wrestlers, Brian. You know, mm-hmm. guys in the heat of grappling bloody and cut up back in the days when like brings back some good memories. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, when when wrestling was good. (laughs) And honestly, some of that stuff is uh, like my childhood being relived in front of me. Some of it's a lot older than me. But I remember seeing those old classic matches like that with guys like Bam Bam Bigelow and, you know, Terry Blanchard and some of those guys that are. Uh, Yeah. Bam Bam
0: versus LT. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. (laughs) Those are some great
1: matches. These guys would just pound on each other and make such a good thing. And then the voiceover comes (laughs) from Scott Conn. Jimmy the King is the greatest wrestler of all time.
0: <laughs> and
1: I just have a question for you. <laughs> Who is he supposed to be? Who is ah. he supposed to be a mockery of?
0: That's it. That's the big question. To me, they are completely and positively making fun of Jerry Lawler. Yeah. It, it's Because so Jerry Lawler... Let's face it, you look at him and you think anyone in their right mind could beat the crap out of him. But because Jerry Lawler owned the Memphis Wrestling promotion half with uh, Jerry Jarrett, he was able to push himself to be this big, awesome guy. And nothing against Jerry Lawler, who's a good worker. And all that, but please, the amount of time he spent on top of the Memphis wrestling uh territory is a joke, and so I think they were literally poking fun at Jerry the King Lawler by having Oliver Platt, who let's face it looks like a fat overweight piece of crap compared to all these wrestlers in the ring being their the biggest wrestler there is.
1: What's funny to me is in the backstory of it, Chris Canyon is his stunt double. And like Chris Canyon's an oh. in shape dude. I mean, Chris, he looks, he yeah, looks pretty Chris, good.
0: Chris <laughs> Canyon had a lot to do with this movie. He trained all of the people in this movie how to, on how to wrestle. He was the head trainer for Oliver Platt and this whole thing. Not that Oliver Platt really had to do a whole lot, but he was the head trainer and also trained all of the other auxiliary people that they brought in. You know, the big scene where they're, uh, later on where they're training his posse. He trained oh, yeah. everyone there he was he was he was away from wcw tv for a long period of time to do this film and so you got to give him a lot of credit for for what he did uh that's the
1: backstory on him right was he was the guy that really worked the power plant which was wcw's atlanta sort of workout gym where they would train new wrestlers and stuff he was a guy that knew every hold could do every move he just Mm -hmm. he taught people how to do everything Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and and he's good. And I'm gonna tell you, the action in this is way superior
0: to like No Holds Barred. I mean, these oh. guys
1: really go down. No Holds Barred is great. a
0: joke when it comes. But then you got Hogan, and all of all, if you yeah. go watch Hogan's the matches, they're all jokes, right? Exactly. So he so this so is actual wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they, and that was the thing, and and you know, you and
1: you know, I've talked about it offline, but we'll mention it here. That was the thing to me that always appealed WCW for me over WWF. WWF for me was kind of like Saturday cartoons. You know, mm-hmm. and it really is that way. But WW, WCW, to I me, mean, was always where guys that actually knew what they were doing could could at least sell the, the, the moves better and had holds and grapples. You had guys right, right, like right. Ric Flair and Sting that could do that kind of stuff, along with guys like Goldberg and all those dudes too, which were a little later, but well, that, guys that could make the moves
0: work. WWF was always about the cartoon aspect of it and the storyline aspect of it, where WCW was about the in-ring competition, right? They tried to make it look really good and fun to watch. They made it look like it was a legitimate sport. So, yeah.
1: Like you mentioned, though, at this point, WCW was doing everything they could to try to get back in that race. So this is like New Coke or Crystal Pepsi or something. (laughs) So they're trying to do the other guy's gig, and they're not any good at it. But Scott Conn's giving this voiceover. What we finally realize as he is telling this to a group of three kids in front of, like, a convenience store while David Arquette drinks, you know, the slushy thing or whatever. And of course, the these guy these kids are like, yeah, but you know. And he's going on about Jimmy the King, you know, heal kill, kill the dead or whatever. And the one kid has the line about my dog Skipper's buried in the backyard. Can he yeah. raise Skipper from the dead?
0: That was a good line. That was a good line. And,
1: but I like that because you know, the the legends these wrestlers would get to the point where somebody would say something like that, and then it's like, wait a minute, hold on, scratch the record. What? What? What'd you say? <laughs> so it's all a setup for that you know and the next bit is it i don't i don't know what i think they're trying to be funny here early on our goes inside to get a refill on his slushy thing or whatever and in his head we see this dream sequence thing where he's like cutting a promo with the guy behind the the counter what do you think of that Compared to, like, Zeus on you know Arsenio's couch or whatever.
0: Oh, well, Zeus on Arsenio's couch made a lot more sense, I'll tell you that much, as far as the wrestling scene, especially back in that day. This was just, you know, his dream sequence. You know, he gets into it with the guy behind the bar. It starts a wrestling match, which I believe included Macho Man Randy Savage as the the guy behind the the bar's tag team partner. And then here comes Jimmy the King to save the day. And instantly, King steps into the ring with a guy like Randy Savage. Savage and instantly loses all credibility. Oh, yeah, because Oliver
1: Platt, I mean, he's in he's in full head-to-toe gear. They're not showing any part no. of his body. They mm-hmm. don't have to. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a reason why. Look, Randy Savage was a dude that looked good well into, up until his death. I mean, he looked like a physical specimen. And you put him next to Oliver Platt, who is a tub of goo. Now, he's tall, but he's a tub of goo. And you, you can see the look on his face like, what am I doing here? so it's such an odd role for him to play
0: i gotta think that the only reason oliver platt got this gig not was not because of his wrestling or obviously not because of his wrestling skill not because of his acting skill but because he was tall because he didn't look like as big a shrimp as many of the actors the big actors of the day would have compared to these guys
1: yeah i mean look arnold schwarzenegger is the only one that actually carries some bulk to him but he's short yeah, but yeah, but he's—I mean, you know, so to say, he's only like six one or so. So he's not as tall as like he comes off on on the screen. You're right. I mean, who else could the, we can talk about who else they can get in a second? Because I want to come back to that. But he is tall, and I think you're right. I think they brought him in for that, and I think he can sell redneck really well. He was in yeah, yeah. a Time to Kill. And again, playing that kind of Lothario character. And he pulls off a great Mississippi accent in there. And I don't know where he's from. He's not from the South. But he actually gets the accent and he gets the inflection and the whole attitude. He's really good at that. And he's got a neat little arc here. Um, But the whole point is to set up that Gordy wants to be a wrestler. He dreams of it, right? That's the whole bit. Now, how how did you buy Arquette? as a would-be wrestler
0: oh it was a complete joke but you know what it does it, it harkens me back to the days when you know like you said you had the 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 whole uh deal after the nitros you know I, I when i was a kid i i did the same exact thing i would always pretend i was a wrestler i even you know got down into my own little costumes that i made to wrestle in wrestle against my larger stuffed animals or whatever i did made oh, up my own I, wrestling promotion so I i can I, totally see that
1: I did that as a kid, too, but I'm talking. I did that with my college buddies. So, oh, sure. sure. You know, so, but, yeah, but no, it, it was a social event back then, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. you could see a, how a kid like Gordy that grew up on it got to this point in life where he's in his 20s, and he's kind of figuring
0: out what he wants to be, what he wants to do, and all he really thinks about is being Jimmy the King. Yeah, and we got to put some context back into this too. I mean, back in 2000 this is kind of the tail end of wrestling's mega boom, right? It 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 had a huge huge popularity. We're talking about uh ratings of of 6.2 uh, for WCW and a 5.5 for WWE at the time I mean that's a lot of people watching wrestling and that's what they did you know Nitro had a thing called Nitro parties where they would send cameras and uh, mean Gene Oakland to these places houses where there'd be tons of kids you know college kids getting together having beers watching Monday Nitro and partying with the Nitro girls and Gene Oakland so that is something that did happen so it's not out of the realm of possibility that this twenty two twenty three year old kid really actually would be dreaming of this,
1: no you're right, and one wonders you know how how much better this film might have performed had it been released in like ninety six or ninety seven you know when it was yeah. really at its height when it was really cooking you'd um, have to
0: yeah you'd have to probably look at about ninety eight
1: yeah, but, but yeah, it's yeah, I mean, that was in the middle of it. You know, that was the best of the Monday Night Wars. And I mean, you had two promotions right. putting out their best stuff at the same time. But where you know, here and there, we're we're in this movie, and that's all we know. What we know ahead of time is who these guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we get the next day with them at work. They they own. <laughs> or I guess I guess Sean owns and operates like a sewage cleanup truck. They clean out the, the porta potties. Yeah, they clean out the porta potties and the sewage, you know, the septic tanks and all that stuff. And I mean, it's it's they play the gross part of it or whatever. Anyway, but these guys it's are there and gross. they've been cleaning up porta potties. And David Arquette's going to use the restroom. He's like, "Don't do it. You don't do it to a friend." Or uh, uh, Khan's telling him that, and. Arquette's looking at him like, "Okay, no problem." And then
0: we get the stupid little behind-the-back cross fingers yeah, thing. Yeah, that like, was stupid.
1: He's gonna hook the
0: hose up now. That's yeah. gonna cause you some serious damage if you actually did that to the person Dude. inside there. That's sucking out the stuff. Dude, you're, gonna, what, you're gonna blow out his
1: ass. I mean, yeah, man. One of, the, <laughs> yeah. One, of the, one of the final destination movies, a guy gets killed in like a pool that way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I had a flashback to that. You can't do that with someone in there, especially <laughs> yeah. when they're on the pot. That it, it's like opening the uh, the uh, the um, air hole to the toilet while someone's sitting on it. Ain't yeah. gonna happen, folks. And That's not good yeah plane anyway. or something yeah it's it's so bad and what
1: I thought he was going to do was reverse the flow right you know, that's what really... I
0: thought too he'd be yeah plowing him with reverse sewage but I know but that that oh, comes later so. i couldn't believe that
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it was horrible that that was that was horrible but they they <laughs> get done with all of that and they go through the drive through at the, the Taco place, whatever it is, and there's, there's all these creed jokes, but we we find out that Sean's dream girl works at the taco Mac or whatever that is, and I'm going, wow, your dream girl aspirations are kind of low there bro,
0: well you, you gotta look <laughs> at the character too, yeah. You know? And I don't know. are These guys, are well these guys know. in high school or are they out of high school? Right? Now? I they're out of high school. They got to be out of high school and like you know. I 19, suppose 20, in order to have the job and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, here's the ridiculous thing, right? They they drive up in this. This sewage-covered vehicle. I mean, it's covered. All the windows are caked in the sewage. The whole car's caked in. They're caked in the sewage from working in it. And the dude's trying to fix his hair. And David Arquette throws the best line: "You're driving a truck full of ass juice, and you're worried about your hair." Totally <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. seriously. <laughs> he's,
1: he's, You're on know, but, but it sets up the thing that Sean is the sentimental one, the, the real one. He's He likes wrestling, and he likes all that stuff. But look, he he's just trying to meet a girl. He meets his girl, his girl of his dreams, and impress her. And apparently they've gone out before, and all he talks about is Jimmy the King. So she's like, I'm not going out with you anymore. And he said, no, we'll talk about you. But there's the other girl at the drive-thru who's into wrestling and is you're kind of immature like
0: they are. And immediately I'm going, he's going to wind up with that girl. Like, well, you of know course it from of course. the get-go. Of course. And you got to think, this is your typical, I, I, you know, hate to admit it, but um, I knew quite a few people who are really, really, really into the wrestling thing. And I admit that I was really into it, but never to the point where it, like, took over my whole life. I knew people who 24-7, if they weren't in class, they were watching a wrestling tape. Type people, right? That's what they did. These are the. This is your typical thing. They really want to have a girlfriend, but the instant they're out with one, that's all they're going to talk about is wrestling because it's all they know and do. Yeah, exactly. That's all they got. Everything they do is filtered through that lens. Yeah. So
1: that's naturally, it. they wind up with somebody who also filters that way. Absolutely, yeah, but, but and so it, it's kind of telegraphed and obvious, but they're sitting there and oh. <laughs> the dripping sewage while they're eating lunch. That's just disgusting. Really gross. But, um, and I gotta start calling them by their character names. Sean's wearing this uh this bracelet that he made. It's like a leather band uh. bracelet. Now I made those in Scouts, so I can totally buy how he knows how to do it. But yeah. it's got WWKD. You know, what, what would, would King, do? King do now that is not, you, you, that, I want to say that is, I don't think that's the origin of the, what would Jesus do, you know, stuff that came out many you know, around the same time. Actually, I think it's just a riff on it. And Must might be, be but, it, it, uh, but it's a poorly done when it comes off just so stupid. It's like, uh, but of course Gordy's excited. Cause he made two, you know, uh, and I'm like, uh, you, you guys are in love with each other. Just not no able to crap. No it. crap.
0: <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, Totally, what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, and and I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just saying they they come off like more of a couple than anybody else in this story. So I I don't know why they didn't go there, but I guess I guess in 2000 you couldn't do that. Still, I don't know, but maybe, has 11 years changed that much. I don't know. Maybe it has. <laughs> But they're, the whole bit is they're going to Cheyenne. It is, they're in Wyoming. They're in small town Wyoming. They're going to Cheyenne, Wyoming to see the Monday night nitro. They're, so they're going to a nitro taping, all right? And they have the worst seats ever, all right? They can't even see from where they are. So they just sneak down and upgrade their seats. Now, yeah, like no big I, deal. Now look, now I've been to a lot of you know things and a lot of concerts and stuff. They, you know, unless it's just really bad, there ain't no moving around. Have you ever been to like a wrestling event where you felt like you could move from the upper deck to the lower that quick?
0: Honestly, yes, yes, I have. Okay, <laughs> and I have moved from the upper deck to the lower deck before, um, and, and but not at a, a television taping or a pay per view event. It's yeah, always no, for a house. house show. Would
1: be like what they call a dark match or a house
0: show, right? right. Like
1: you could do that during. The, you couldn't do that at a taping even if nitro had fallen off the map at that point
0: no yeah Yeah. they here's what would happen is if if they were really hard up sales they would freely move everybody from the upper deck to the lower decks so that it didn't look bad on tv
1: exactly yeah you block out the upper deck with the curtains and you you make it look like a smaller more packed in area right but whatever they're they're down there because they're there to watch their guy right you know so we get our first glimpse behind the scenes now, Brian, of the wrestling promoter. Now, the last time we visited wrestling promoters, they were in a boardroom <laughs> of a television company. You know, be be here tomorrow. Here's a check that can't flush, Dookie, all that stuff was going down. Yes. You know? Your now sleeves. we got Joey Pentaleono in the worst hair pieces and outfits I've ever seen in my
0: life.
1: I, I liked
0: like, it. I oh, liked no, he, his look.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, he looks ridiculous, though. Exactly. He looks, but looks like a rock and roll. Like you know, He looks like the keyboard player from the Allman Brothers Band. Yes. You know, touring section. Not even the real band, but just the guys that come. You know, he didn't look like you know, all the wrestling promoters I ever heard of were either guys that had been in the business, so they still look like wrestlers, or they were businessmen like Eric Bischoff.
0: Okay. They looked like they first, were the Harley. First and foremost... A wrestling promoter likes to give himself a good look, right? You got Vince McMahon who's always worn the tuxedo. That's his gimmick. That's his thing. Eric Bischoff used to announce the wrestling uh, and do all that stuff in a pair of blue jeans, li- like usually light blue jeans and a nice dress, uh, a t-shirt with a dress coat on. That was his shtick until the NWO came along and then he became a biker. Look right. He wore the blue all jeans, right. had the biker leather coat on, and all that stuff. So they they kind of like have the ego of making their own style. Here's this is Sinclair's style. So I totally bought it. I I could totally see that happening. Okay, but he he
1: it. comes in and the whole complaint is what Gene, King, King, is, King not is not there. there.
0: Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Well, King's not there. He's not on time. They have a big match tonight: DDP versus the King for the title. And basically, they flat out tell you that King is a drunk right King is gonna show up he's not gonna be in any condition to wrestle DDP, I want you this is your night uh make it look good and damage him right
1: it's, exactly like he you know he says in front of Goldberg and the other wrestlers well he's gonna do his move and you're gonna be done then he pulls him aside and he says no nope, this is it I'm gonna take care of you you know you, when I give you the signal you just you just go off on the old boy and and we'll take care of it Yes. You know, and so he said, "Okay, so it's all about the, you know he's going to screw the king." You know that, and and I want to tell you, I, I bought that totally because I was like, "Yep, I've seen that happen in wrestling promotions." Yeah. yeah. Montreal screw job, anybody? Wrestling is this you know cutthroat business. You said it at the beginning there, Brian. And if you get screwed out of the gig, you you kind of get left behind. It's sort of like getting kicked out of the band.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it leaves uh deep, deep divisions between things. So as you can tell by, say, Bret Hart and Vince McMahon, it took them how many years to finally kiss and make up after that. But even still, this is something that was really cool. But we also have one other big thing here, Jay, that happens during this whole sequence. We get to finally meet... Sasha, the Nitro girl that everyone goes gaga over. Now, here's how ridiculous this is. They bring in all the real Nitro girls are there, except for maybe Kimberly Page. I don't think I saw her at all in there. But all the other Nitro girls who are actually on the TV show, did their little dancing thing, are all there. And then Sasha, who is singled out by having a completely different outfit. They're all wearing white, and she's wearing this red getup. What the hell is that? Never, ever... Never, Jay, in the time of the Nitro Girls, was anyone dressed different than the other. It's, uh,
1: it, but it's a it's plot point, so you notice her over these you know girls you've seen on TV. Now let's stick Rose McGowan out there, who is not bad to look at. Rose McGowan's very pretty, and and they dress her you know pretty pretty skanky in this movie. Hell yeah! So you, she's there to be oogled and looked at. And they stick her right out front, but I noticed that too. I was like, that that didn't look like a Nitro Girls routine. That looked more like uh, the Pussycat Dolls. Or there something. you go. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, and the Nitro Girls could do some stuff, but or they back were more then like, the uh, Spice Girls. Yeah, yeah, but that was uh, they were more like glorified cheer units than they were strippers. Well, they were you a know? dance
0: mm-hmm. squad, right? Like your yeah. dance team in school would be. They yeah, never that. wanted to be considered something like a cheerleader or anything. That they were. They yeah. were doing dance routines, and they wanted and sure, to be considered real And sure, they dressed in these dancers. sexy outfits. Oh, yeah.
1: They dressed in these sexy outfits, but they didn't... I don't know that they, they hoed it up the way Rose
0: McCallum well, did. Maybe sometimes, that's just her they did. sometimes they did. Sometimes
1: they did. But the whole bit is that they're, they're looking at her, and, and already in my mind, I'm starting to go, well, somehow or another, they're going to meet her, and that's not going to go like they expect either. You yeah. Know? And certainly, that's how it turns out with her, too. She, I want to tell you, talk about phoning it in.
0: Rose <laughs> oh, McGowan mailed time. this sucker in from two weeks ago. She was well, so bored. Well, how could you not be? I mean the, the the whole the whole plot with with her is just it's ridiculously stupid and really thrown in for no real good reason. I don't think. Uh, well, there's a reason. It's just there is a reason. reason. It's, it's just there was no need for it. I don't think they yeah. needed it.
1: Yeah, need I don't know well, what what does this story need? I mean, it needs well, a leprechaun, it needs to a pop out.
0: and some better <laughs> actors. And...
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing though. They had <laughs> here's the deal: they had a real writer, they had real people doing this. I want to keep reiterating that. But there's a credit in the beginning that kind of said it all to me. Based on characters created by the WCW. So already uh, right. I know there's the 25 people that have screwed that promotion up that probably have their hands in this thing.
0: <laughs> and and Eric Bischoff is an executive producer on the thing. So yeah,
1: yeah. So you already know the people that have run that wrestling promotion in the ground are now running this <laughs> could-be-interesting comedy movie in the ground. Yes. Because there's all this stuff being thrown at you in the first act. And, I, I mean, the characters are so shallow it doesn't really matter, but it, it is it is kind of ridiculous, you know. But anyway, finally we get to the match. You know, it, it's it's going down.
0: Hey, Tony Schiavone, your favorite, yes, man. Yes, I love Tony Schiavone. I wish he was still announcing wrestling. Oh, I think he's doing baseball now or something like that. But, yeah, I don't he, know what he's doing. He was
1: man. he was working for the Braves Network at one time. Who's the other guy with him, though? Mike him. Oh, okay, thank you. TNA I who it was. There they, we yeah. go. There we go. That's why I don't know him. Because well, <laughs> so, I don't watch that that wow. much. Well, I know, well, I know the... Yeah, I know the I know the voice, but I just didn't I didn't recognize it. But you know what though, I I'm, I'm again I'm having flashbacks to No Holds Barred. Of what we said, who were the best, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Gorilla and Jesse, with nobody that good.
1: And right. these guys
0: are trying, but no, but again, they gave them such really crappy lines to run on this. It was, and yeah. honestly, you're trying to put over Oliver Platt in the ring. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is it, it very was so true. so cheesy and here's the killer part about this man the match itself the the way they film this thing all they had to do was say okay go out there and do your thing as a wrestler and and we'll film it like a wrestling match no they made it hollywood and it looked so bad
1: oh it does it looks so ridiculous and the way they cut it together it you can tell the insert shots of like here's oliver platt's face Sweaty yeah. and then here's like somebody
0: really doing a move with DDP. Right. Who
1: who looks great. And look, you know, Diamond Dallas Page was no spring chicken. He was an old guy. Well,
0: he was in you his know. mid to late forties at the
1: time. Yeah, yeah. But he looked phenomenal because he was again, he was tall. Look, he's like six five, Oliver Platt six three. You know, they at least look like they belong standing next to each other, even though in the ring they're not, you know, they're not even close. Yeah. But but the spots are so terrible in this. I mean it it is so you can tell you're not watching the same person giving the performance, giving the same performance in the ring, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing I'll I'll say. You know, when you watch No Holds Barred, that that's what Hogan did. You know,
0: 279 till years, so yeah. that was him. You, and you, you, you got to give t- Tony Lister a lot of credit yeah. because he actually learned to wrestle and became a wrestler for a little while in the promotion. So those were yeah. those guys wrestling. This was DDP and Canyon wrestling, and and you know Canyon and DDP were best friends. Up until the day di- Canyon died, so they worked very well together. So th- they looked good, but it didn't look like Oliver Platt.
1: Well, again, like you said, those guys had probably worked together for for ten years. Yeah. You know, for how many nights doing this, so they had that down. You know, so the action was fun, but it was it was, it was filmed, filmed in a
0: way that was just so blech.
1: Well, it, it it did just kind of end, and then and then what happens is. You know, DDP sort of outside the ring and he looks over at uh, Titus and Titus gives him the, you know, wink or whatever the heck that was. Yeah. And, Dallas Page just goes off on Oliver Platt and he just starts punching him in the face like hitting him for real in other words and what's funny about this and what I did like about it is these two guys are talking each other through the match now a lot of people don't know that stuff Brian and having worked as a ring announcer before I learned this years ago these guys will talk to each other during the match you just don't ever see it or hear it but they're going okay give me one of these okay do this and to the look on Platt's face he sells it when he gets punched the first time for real like hey man what's the
0: Deal. Yeah, no, it's great, because it gives you a good inside look. Now, they used to talk in what's called Carney language, and basically, it's basically saying, like, giziv me hezed lock, you know? They put the Z's in the middle of their words, and that's how they would communicate to each other, but they do it in a way that made it look like they were yelling at each other or whatever else, so that the fans didn't catch on, or they do it mumbled under their breath, but that's how they do it. The heel would call the match, so DDP it should be the one calling this match, and, and in the movie, he really is the one calling out the match every once in a while platt will get in a a saying to do something but ddp's calling the match and that's how it, it went it was a cool little insight that really they didn't talk about back then even at this time so they really gave you a good glimpse of how it worked in this movie which is kind of an interesting key
1: and see and that to me brings up my first major problem that I'm actually going to ding this movie for is now it has decided it's going to let me in behind the scenes this and the whole well, bit about the promoter even the promoter screwing the guy that that still seems like a story this whole you'll know, fanciful yeah. guys and the story now I'm getting a look at how these guys actually do this stuff and I'll tell you it wasn't like that just shattered my life. Cause at that point I figured out, look, this is choreographed stunt work with, with good drama. I know what this stuff is. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, fake is a word. A lot of people like throw around, but th- these guys work and, and they, this is what they do. You know, I'm cool with knowing how they do that. Now they didn't ruin it for me, but it, it put it in a different light. I'm like, okay, wait a minute it, then. So is the rest of this movie going to be that
0: or what? Because I think that that creates an imbalance in it. you got to remember, too, that a lot of this had already come out. And it, people started to know about this really because of Mick Foley's book in 1999, Have a Nice Day blew the lid off of the industry. People knew this was all made up and how it worked and and things like that because of of many different reasons. The steroid trial with Vince McMahon kind of brought a lot of it out to light where he actually had to admit that it was fake. The whole tax... Thing trying to get out of paying the sports tax and i believe it was it was in connecticut or new jersey or somewhere on the east coast he he basically said we're not sport we're sports entertainment blew that lid off things you got bret Hart situation where vince basically screwed him out of the championship that really blew the lid off of things too so people knew what was going on this was just a little bit further glimpse into things that you know if you did read mcfoley's book you already knew this was going on but if you didn't now you did know this is how it was going on today you know everything about it but yeah yeah
1: well, see, and I wonder how that got worked in the story. I don't know that the, you know, the guy that wrote The Mighty Ducks would know well, that unless, unless he well, did no, a lot no, no, of interviews have, and they told him.
0: No, no I have no, no, a yeah. feeling
1: that's something that the WCW guys, like, that was totally
0: brought in there by the WCW yeah. guys, Eric Bischoff, all that, you know, they, they were helping in this whole thing the whole way around. So yeah, but yeah, I like totally. that they did this. You know, you have to do this because it shows that King's in there with DDP and they're trusting each other to come up with this match. And then DDP blows the curtain off it and and changes everything, and he's taken by surprise. If it just happened that they were fighting each other and they you, they didn't show the communication between the two, and then Oliver Platt starts getting mad about it, it doesn't make sense. So the, the it makes sense for him to say, show DDP saying, all right, give me a clothesline, all right, you know, come off the ropes and kick me, you know, if that makes sense because then all of a sudden, boom, DDP turns on him, and says, sorry, brother, not your night, and starts beating the crap out of him.
1: Yeah, and so, then the whole backstage comes out there with him. Now I yeah. I don't know about you, that to me felt a little bit over the top. Like I think that felt like the WCW said we need to run our cavalcade of guys through this thing three or four times. This is a good time. Like I I have no doubt in my mind that Dallas Page can beat the crap out of Oliver Platt
0: by himself with no help. Well, absolutely. Now, but you gotta you 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 have to take Oliver Platts. Very un, uh, very unrestling look out of the equation, and and figure that this is Goldberg, right? This is, I mean, if I were Goldberg watching this movie, I would have been like, hmm, maybe I should take a cue from this and stop being such an ego freaking maniac, because this could be me any day, because King is basically the Goldberg. King was basically Goldberg, right? Goldberg was basically thrown in there and they made him who he was. And then he became a big shot in his own head. But anyway, that's another whole, whole other story. So this, I can totally see this happening too, though, Jay. You know, what they did is they, they brought out the, the group. So if you had Goldberg and DDP doing this and DDP tried to screw out Goldberg, Goldberg's going to put up a fight and you're going to need more people to help. So understood that uh, he he played defensive
1: end in the nfl that's dallas page was a bouncer i mean that's, that's I different get, i get that I, i'm just i'm just saying though i i thought it in storyline yes it does work that everybody would turn on him at once but it did feel like now it's time to showcase what we have that you can see every monday night on nitro tune in 705 or whatever 757
0: i do have to say the four post massacre is pretty kicking. And that was kind of
1: cool. I, I did think that was cool. You get these four guys up who all do these these drops on Oliver Platt in the middle of the ring. Now who who climbs up on those those
0: posts again? Let's let's get the list. You got Bam Bam, Bam, Bam Bigelow. Bigelow. Yep. Prince iaka who who many people probably yeah. would never know perry yeah. saturn who was big in the ecw days and had a, a decent run in wcw and also in wwe before he had some neck problems and then Huvatood guerrera who uh who one is one of the really, best legit libres ever to, ever to hit the ring so he, what, he is <laughs> but he's got massive drug problems and that's caused him to <laughs> well, kind of fall well, off but now. yeah but at yes, the time very, that very was his good.
1: deal Yep. I want to tell you, the the part of that that's unbelievable is Bam Bam Bigelow off the top rope. I saw him do a lot of stuff. I never saw you Homeboy had? do a lot oh, of work Oh,
0: absolutely. Bam Bam Bigelow <laughs> was known for being the big guy who could do that stuff. So if you go back and watch some Bam Bam Bigelow stuff, you will see him come off the top rope and do all sorts of fancy moves. He could drop kick like no other big man could ever do. And he, well, I did he was, know that. He was yeah. good on that. Yep, he was good on that. So that made sense well, to me. The fo- I'm with you, though. The
1: four-post-masker was cool. You know, the way they went. down. And Gordy said, this isn't even a pay-per-view. I know, that's great. Now, that is another behind-the-scenes slide, though, because Jim Ross, who who worked for WCW for a short time and became sort of the voice of WWF for many years um, when McMahon kind of went behind the scenes, will tell you the thing that really sunk that promotion was that they gave away their best matches for free on TV. And that's another inside thing. Every good wrestling fan, every smart, mark you know the, the the buys the deal and will go for the ride but knows how it really works knows th- a match like that will end in what double disqualification and everybody's pointing guns at each other absolutely something like that right absolutely. Or somebody's pregnant mistress comes in or you know there's always something to end to a uh, to arrest the uh the the climax right you rarely give it away but they, they're going to give it away, and these guys are blown away by that. And I thought that was kind of a cool call out because you know you know that's the story of Goldberg. He yeah. won his title on free TV. It was
0: it was one of the reasons they think the WCW went downhill after that is because they gave away the match that could have sold them. So, they could have sold so many pay per views by having Hogan Goldberg, and all they really had to do was have Goldberg win by DQ against Hogan that night on on Raw, and then set up the pay per view. And they didn't, yeah. and they gave it away yeah. for free, which was a total ratings boom because the, uh, the, I believe the week before that, they lost for the first time to WWF in the rating in 80 some weeks. And yeah. so they, they blew their load on the next week to try to get that rating back. So yeah, but again, you got to think of it this way too. For us who are smart marks, yes, that would be what we'd say. This isn't even a pay-per-view, but you got to look at Gordy and Sean. They're not smart marks. They're complete. Marks. They don't. They think everything's Gord, real. Gordy is for
1: sure, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's why he gets that line. I, that would have been weird if Sean said it, but I'm with you there. The Gordy would be the one that would be like, "Why is this happening? You know, why is Scooby not eating the Scooby snacks or whatever? I mean, he's sort of in that mode. And and now I'm gonna tell you though, the best performance Pandaleono gives in the whole movie is at the end of this when he does his whole, you saw him go down, blah blah blah. But when he gets down on the ground, he grabs. Oliver Platt's hand and and Platt looks at him and says, Why? And he says, Why not? You know, he said, I made you, baby, and I put you away. And I thought, you know, that is the modern day Braille, though. That's how these Absolutely. guys were.
0: Absolutely. And it's so true. That and it happens all the time. The, the the when when a wrestler gets too big for his britches, a promoter will just say, All right, I'll you don't want to play nice, then you can take a hike. And they they lose it, and that's how more wrestlers lose their careers than anything else is. They get too big of an ego, too big of a head, think that they can do whatever they want, and then a wrestler promoter either gives into them and lets them do it, a-, a la Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan, or they don't, and then you're nobody anymore. And you I, be I mean, it's the us.
1: guy that it's the guy that runs the show behind the scenes that really has the power. I think that's what they're trying to say there, you know. And of course, mm-hmm. you know that's that's it. Their hero is destroyed. Yes, you know, and and. Now I want to tell you the funniest scene in the movie these two guys driving away dang stupid allergies like they're crying over right. this they're stupid to act DDP like not, <laughs> <laughs> cheating allergies stupid unfair allergies and it's one of the funniest I mean those two guys in that truck are hilarious with each other. and that is when I really started just laughing and enjoying this for the ride because I will tell you Scott Conn is always good when you pair him with somebody I mean, he's yeah. great in those Ocean's films because they put him up next to Casey Affleck and they can just be funny together he and Arquette have a real real chemistry
0: here and they're really funny together at times not always Arquette is a little over the top in this movie I think that it gets annoying really fast and that's why I have a note here that wonders how the hell he ever landed Courtney Cox but um <laughs> Well, screen movies, I mean, that. Well, you know. absolutely is why, but it's just like, how, what did she see in him? Because he's so over the top and annoying a lot of times in this movie that it takes, takes, uh, a con to bring him down to a better level where you can handle well, him.
1: And- and I'll I'll say this, Scott Kahn is by far a better actor than David oh, Arquette. And that's yeah. no slam at Arquette. Arquette is what he is. Scott Kahn can act. He can do a lot of things. He usually is playing somebody the kind of archetypes his dad made famous, these sort of, you know, ill tempered, short fused, tough guys. You know, that's kind of what he's known for. But here, I I buy him as he would be a friend to a guy like Gordy, who is so sold into it. And he's maybe like 75% sold into it. So it's enough that they can hang out and talk. But he's also, he's got a business. And it's all his dad left. And it's, you know, he's sort of a little more of a grown up than Gordy is. Yeah, If you one of them or at all, but, but I thought it was funny that, that whole, scene it was, it was funny. And the,
0: even, even the whole, where they crashed the tanker and the, the poops going all over and as they're cleaning it up, a guy driving a semi runs into him and what is he carrying? Toilet paper, toilet paper, just classic. What are the odds?
1: What are yeah. the odds? And and that's, that's what Gordy uses as it must be a sign.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> and, Let's and I clean said, up the yeah. poop with toilet paper. <laughs>
1: You know, as as comedic devices go, that's about as one on one as you get. But it works. Arquette sells it for me. I liked it. Yeah, I I thought mm-hmm. it was funny. You know, huh? and they decide and, and they've got to go on the road, and they got to restore the king.
0: Uh Well, uh, Arquette decides this, or Gordy decides us, and has to convince Sean that this is the right thing to do. So. Yeah, but Sean goes along with it.
1: I mean, of they, course. What else he's got to they, do
0: is trucks destroy. He has they, no job.
1: And I love how how they they do a good laugh here because you know what would usually happen, we're going to Atlanta and then they'd just be in Atlanta right yeah yeah no it's the next morning they're still hitchhiking going it's really cold sir <laughs> please stop right waiting <laughs> for a ride now my question is how did they get all the poop cleaned off of them well
0: exactly they, they, they were looked they looked they, well they they obviously didn't have it all cleaned off but they looked much better than when they had it all over their bodies which is pretty gross maybe mm-hmm. the maybe, maybe the fireman was was hosed them cool. down. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe there's a cutscene somewhere. Didn't, I don't yeah, know. I, did I didn't miss, bother
1: yeah. to delve into my DVD that, that deep. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, but, okay, the next morning they're, they're picked up in a van by a bunch of nuns.
0: All right. <laughs> These nuns are awesome.
1: These nuns are so awesome. <laughs> because, of course, they're doing the nun thing. They're playing the nun songs. Kumbaya, Michael, row your boat ashore and then our cat whips out the whole bit well no first off what are the odds of nuns from wyoming going to daytona florida yeah i don't know <laughs>
0: maybe there was a big conference of all the catholic people in florida i don't get that either that was interesting but then what you got sean who whips out the guitar and starts playing yeah. van halen running with the devil and the lead nun there knows all the words
1: yeah, oh, like they, they act like they don't know it, but then they do, and they all whip out lighters, and it's oh. it's really odd. It's
0: funny. You know? But it's funny. It's,
1: it's funny. It's, and again, it's one of those funny little touches that make, if you got to get them from A to B, you make the getting there funny.
0: Yep, and, and even better, when they get out of the truck and Sean asks Gordy, how many times did you fart in there? And he says, I didn't fart. Well, I didn't fart either. And they're like, the farting nuns. I thought that was kind of really? funny.
1: Really? <laughs> That that is kind of funny. It's it's a little lowbrow, <laughs> but it is funny. It's and it's cute the way they play it. They're like, "Dude, that was so not me. How cute <laughs> is that?" Yeah. I love how he says he's like, "Look, man, I know we got all this religion now, but I just gotta ask you." Yes. <laughs> and, and they go with it. So they go inside the truck stop or wherever they are there. Yes. And who else is playing the the video Shermanator. Games, the Shermanator. The guy who plays the, <laughs> that character in American Pies the ginger the ginger of that generation. He was in a can't hardly wait. This guy's been in all kind of stuff doing the same role, right? But he's just you know, he's as sold out a fan as Gordy is, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm watching them play the game, you know, the old wrestling video games. Remember oh, the, the stand-up console game, yeah. wrestling video games? Oh yes,
0: those are horrible. Oh, <laughs> I, I still have a couple that I would played uh, WrestleMania on the Nintendo, and the Undertaker would spew fire from his fingers in the or lightning. It was just bad, <laughs> like
1: mortal Mortal Combat. Yes. you
0: know the the wrestling game. Yes, ugh.
1: Oh, and we haven't even talked about Jimmy the King's catchphrase or whatever, but it's all over this video uh, game. I will rule you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which is horrible. It's It's, it's so bad.
1: obvious it's bad.
0: It is bad. It is bad. <laughs> oh, That was bad. Uh, so they, they basically go to, yeah. they're trying to figure out what to do, and, they, and, and turns out the Shermanator, which I don't even know what the guy's name is in this movie, which doesn't really matter, but he just so happens to know how to use a computer ladies and gentlemen, a computer. So they go to his house, and he's looking up all this information on the web on how to find Jimmy the King, giving them to these guys so they can go search for him, finds his home address and all this other stuff. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little ploy to him.
1: Yeah, the idea of using the Internet to find somebody. Nowadays, easy. (laughs) Yeah, but old Internet. Like, you know, crusty old bad Internet. And I remember those pages, Mm -hmm. you know. But they're they're looking up and they they realize okay he's you know we got his wife's name, kids, parents, all this stuff. So they are going out to find the king, you know, and they come across his wife living in you know redneck trailer park because of course Atlanta Georgia is such a redneck place. (laughs) Anybody that's been to Atlanta in the last five years knows how not
0: southern that city is
1: i'm not saying that is a slight that is a metropolitan
0: multicultural place and here's the kicker it does not look like that wcw <laughs> was based in where atlanta they should have known this okay so we have to assume that they've gone out of georgia at this point out of atlanta i don't know I mean. yeah at
1: least but you know again we don't we don't know because how are they getting around anywhere you
0: know, what, are they walking? Are they hitching the whole That's way? That's a we don't great know. question. I don't—I never even thought of that because they don't have a vehicle. They hitchhike to where they are. So, I never even I, thought to think about that. How are they getting to these places? Uh, it was a big
1: hole for me. I was like, they they stole a moped or something. That nobody, you know, they didn't even bother to tell that. So we don't know, but they just sort of they just sort of walk on set and walk
0: off set. Yeah. That's kind of how it looked. Yeah.
1: But what what do you make of uh, Eugenia, the
0: king's oh, queen? Oh my god! Well, that's played Caroline by Caroline Ray, Ray. Yeah, which I thought was perfect. She's she's hilarious. I don't know if you care for her too much. Yeah, but she's, she's pretty. Yeah, she's funny. she's pretty yeah. funny, and she played it perfectly. the The redneck wife who's ticked off at the king and wants to basically rip his balls out and stuff them down his throat right i liked it i thought it was great but the kid frank oh (laughs) that poor guy they gave him this weird set of braces with teeth all over the place oh
1: it's like it's like Bubba teeth you can get for fifty cents at the gas station. Yeah, you know it's, I mean that's what it looks exactly. like. It's so ridiculous. It's terrible. But again, it plays the whole idea the whole idea is that this king guy's pretty much a piece of crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just a, which you know what? No, that's isn't that the you know, kind of the the life of a wrestling fan is, is unfortunately you find out a lot of times these guys are not very nice good absolutely. people. You mentioned a lot of the problems of some of the guys we've already seen in this film. Yeah, absolutely These are not good dudes. You know? and then, they've, they've got issues.
0: I I love the line though that that they go they they leave the ex-wife's place and they go find the mom and dad. And he's sitting there and goes, "Hey, you're you're the mom who did this and you're you're the dead dad." It says in his biography <laughs> that you're dead and he's like, "Well, that's just Terrible, you know, and the dad gets all pissed off about it, <laughs> and, and so, that, and you, you know who that is, right? Uh, that dad? No, I don't remember. That is David Arquette's dad, Lewis. Really, Arquette. I did not know. Yeah, that. A little,
1: little cameo there. From
0: funny, dad, so funny. Yeah, which is
1: funny because you hear him every now and then. You hear him talking like, oh yeah, there it is. You know, it's it's just kind of in there, but. Yeah, here's what I want to know. How did Sherm find a speeding
0: ticket online
1: in 1999?
0: Hey, the (laughs) same way that Willow and the Buffy the Vampire Slayer was able to hack into the uh, school's files without even being connected (laughs) to the Internet. (laughs)
1: <laughs> good point. Thank you, sir. Yes, yeah, a good call back so. there to you. the Art of Slaying podcast. Very good. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's a convenience, and they I guess they teleport to <laughs> wherever they're going next. <laughs> but they finally find the king in a trailer park because he's borrowed an RV from his parents and hadn't returned it. And they find him in, like... I guess he's incognito, so he's dressed up as a
0: woman. What's uh, up? With is that? that what he was? Yeah, I see. I saw. I don't know what he was dressed up as. I mean, he looked like Michael Myers in the Guru, uh, the the <sighs> Love Guru movie or whatever. It was just terrible. Oh. No, it's the King, yeah. and I think he was. Supposed to be dressed up as a woman, even though he's got this big beard and mustache. So anyone who buys yeah, that, yeah, Oliver
1: Platt with a with a beard and mustache is not easy to hide. I don't know that you know that he could look like a woman if he tried. You know, yeah. He's such a big burly guy, but. but he, you know, they finally convince him that they're his biggest fans, blah, blah, blah. And then he pulls the douche card out on him.
0: Yep. You need to pay me for five minutes to talk. Was it 10 bucks a piece or something like that? Five bucks. a Yeah. Talk. Something like that. Yeah. Five minutes to talk. So they go in there and they're all eager to pay him, right? And they get to talking to him and he, they, they, they're like sitting there and they want him to say his catchphrases. But of course he no sells them the whole time. It's like, what yeah. the hell is wrong with you people? And then he asks them to go get him some beer. <laughs> Yeah. And they bring the beer back. Movie sponsored know, and- by grainbelt Belt Premium, Minnesota Baby.
1: Yes. Oh, I didn't know that I didn't notice that. I thought that was like generic Miller high Life Nos- or something over there.
0: Belt, Belt Premium. There.
1: How about that? Didn't I wonder how they got that sponsorship? But um uh, <laughs> Or if they paid for the clearance at all. I guess you could call your friends and find out. But uh that, here's the funniest thing about that. They they want to, you know, he he's telling the story, you know, he's owned by the promoter or whatever. How many times have you seen that? And they're going, we're going to restore you. And he says, ain't going to happen, guys. That guy owns the trademark on all of it, you know. And I started to think, and I was like, hmm, when The Rock became Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and now he's just Dwayne. You know, I saw Fast Five, and I was like, hmm, Dwayne Johnson, hmm. Yeah. You know, these characters are owned by the wrestling promoter, not by the guys. And so. that
0: was really started... Back in the probably late nineties when WCW started paying, uh, contracts out and they started merchandising these things and people would swap between the two companies. And when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall jumped ship to in 96 to WCW, they sued WCW and WWF sued WCW so that they couldn't use the trademark names or mannerisms of Razor Ramon and Diesel. Yeah, so they just had to be them themselves. Yep, they had to go by their own um, name, and they couldn't do the things that they did, like uh, hey yo, right? Well, that, yeah. not the hey, well, not the hey yo. Done. It was more of the pumping fists thing that he always did uh, as Razor Ramon yeah. and things like that. So, yes,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but those kind of things happen, and it makes you realize how much of a product these guys are. But the story takes a real ugly turn for about two minutes, which I thought was kind of brave for a, a movie that's really playing everything for laughs. He gets really ticked off at them and just starts throwing them out of the trailer and, you know, get yourself out of my way. You make me sick, you idiots, you know, and stuff. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of a rough way to go, you know, for, for this, this movie. I mean, it gets kind of dark there for about three seconds before they get him drunk and yeah. then they, you know, he crowns them and that, Ugh, you know, that whole that bit. Was but, yeah, which is terrible. But then we'll get to that in a minute. But the, that to me was an interesting twist. How did you read that?
0: Um, I, th- I looked at it as a, a bitter old wrestler. I, I think that there are plenty of cases that support that this would be how they would act. They don't want to, they want to be left alone, right? They don't want to be bugged and they get really pissy and, you know, most of them are hyped up on something. Whereas this guy's on beer. There's a lot who are on drugs and that not a surprise that uh, that they would have a wrestler act that way. Cause I think that's how some, you know, Jimmy Snuka killed his girlfriend in in a fight like that. So,
1: Oh, I mean, and you know the other horrible stories that have come out in the last years. Them, is, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not even relive. I mean, it is rough to think about that. But again, guys with <laughs> problems who don't know how to handle them and and they turn to the wrong substances, and they're, it's not not surprising that they're bitter, right, or whatever. Right. But they they do a real good job to quickly get us back to the laughs, you know, because they're. They're in there and they're trying to convince him. You know, we're gonna let you get get a swing at uh, the guy that, that screwed you over or whatever. And of course, he knocks them both out. And he wakes them up in the morning by pouring like half an empty beer on their face, which is right.
0: nasty. Yeah,
1: but he says we're going to. You know, I, I'm in. I'm in to go and, and whip you know Sinclair. And I, you know, here's my thing. <laughs> this maybe a week has passed. And they went from Cheyenne, Wyoming, to New York, New York, in a
0: week. A week. Now, look, a week. No, no. Not only that. Yeah. Not only that. They went from Atlanta to Cheyenne to New York.
1: Yeah. No, I'm not even talking about Gordy and 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 Sean's travel. I'm talking about the wrestling company. Oh no, that that's, that's no, they didn't do that. Sure. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, I just thought, geez, that's a real change of venue, but I'm with you. How did these three <laughs> These three guys have logged more miles than I'm doing a year?
0: Yes. You
1: know, in, in <laughs> and like with week. what?
0: Teleportation? Yeah.
1: Well, no, no, this time they're in the RV. The <laughs> RV, like, yes. But they've yeah, been going even all Even in 2000, over that, that gas money, they had 30 bucks <laughs> between <laughs> the two of them, and they got to New York on that, but, you know, well, whatever. Maybe it runs on sewage. <laughs>
0: let's hope so. Yeah.
1: But they get up there, you know, and... Titus, of course, is the one who made the star, just like O'Brell. Now, I want to tell you, I love the whole bit where they're working out the TV bit, you mm-hmm. know, with the whole you go start on the belt and come on up, and, you know, this is how we're going to do it or whatever. And everybody's acting like a normal human being, and then they turn the cameras on. And I, yeah. I really have to think that they said in the script, DDP do your thing because I have seen him do that bit with other wrestlers and mm-hmm. other moments a
0: thousand times.
1: Absolutely. And man, he nailed it and I loved
0: it. I thought it was great. It was. It was very well done promo prom for everything. And, 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 you know, that's one thing that WCW was always good at was getting the promos going. Um, you know, WWF used to be way back in the day when they did the, the behind the, the, with the WWE logo wallpaper behind you doing all the oh, stuff. Yeah, where, then they, they the switched The Ultimate it.
1: Warrior would talk yes, about bringing down yes, the heavens. You know. and those, those, were those were good times. Those are good times.
0: But WCW gave you more of the you know reality feel to their backstage promos and, like and so I think they did a really good job with that too. And I, but but before they even did that, they announced the match for the night: Jay Sid Vicious versus Sting in a hardcore match was the main event. <sighs> that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, that is so hilarious. But because... that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> uh,
0: they
1: keep. <laughs> Again, that's another moment we got to shove guys that we have on every Monday night on the screen for a couple of minutes here. We got, yeah. we got to remind people we have a real show. This isn't just a movie. We have a real show that we're trying to sell. We're trying to resurrect here, essentially. But I, I love how you know, they're pretty much talking trash about the king. And that, the best part of it was beforehand. I'll tell you, Joe Pantaleona's whole little bit about the like, guy will ruin you as soon as I finish some beer. Right. <laughs> now, that was a funnier bit than even what Dallas Page was doing. But they're doing the regular promo and then hiding in one of the crappers. The porta potties. It's something about porta potties in this movie. It well, the they, key.
0: you got to remember that that's how uh, that's how Sean and Gordy got him into the arena. They hit him oh, in the porta point. potty, and, and because they're yep. a porta potty company, they were able to get in and do that. Good point.
1: So he comes storming out of there and starts just whipping people. And I want to tell you, I've seen so many ambushes go down like that that I thought, you know what, they sold that pretty well. That looked pretty good, because I think that might be the only time Oliver Platt
0: did any kind of stunt work, but you could right. tell it was him. And it, it looked just like a brawl, and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I think they did a very good job with it. Uh, and I put in my notes, I, I really enjoyed that backstage brawl that they did, so that's cool. But uh, here's the, the part that really drove me nuts, is that they had King Cu- Crown... DDP backstage and then cover oh. him for the one, two, three. And my first thought is when did the world title become the WWF hardcore title, which can be defended I- anytime and anywhere?
1: Thank you very much. I was wondering the same thing. That. Didn't make any sense, but we got to talk about this too. What is it with these double axe handle moves in the movies we review when it comes to wrestling?
0: (laughs) Hogan had one. Now, you've got to to remember that Hulk Hogan, back in the day when he would wrestle for Japan, his finishing move was a double axe handle, running double axe. This is true. So, that was a finishing move that he actually used, and they wanted to. But Jerry
1: Lawler didn't do this.
0: Again, yes, that's true, but remember, he's coming off the top rope with his little double axe handle. So, it's a little bit different.
1: <laughs> I just thought it was funny, but it, it's a dumb move. But but it is kind of cool. But I'm with you. <laughs> Why did he think that would work? But you know what? Without even trying, they have now created television gold. And I think yeah. the promoter sees that and he he jumps on it. Because he, you know, Gordy and Shaw get him in all manner of wrestling holds, which is hilarious. Yep, yep. You know, and he's like, what are you doing to me? You know, they're not hurting him, but they they think they're really putting the whip on him, you know. Right, right. Then he jumps on it and comes up with the whole bit about... Uh, how, how the next match
0: is going to go down. Now, how did you like that? I thought it was good. You know, I, I thought it was kind of weird that he would be offering the match, but he's live on TV. So you have to come think quickly. And it made sense. Okay. Here's the way I can get rid of you for good. Number one, there'll be a match, a cage match. You and DDP for the title. You're not the champ now because that wasn't a sanctioned match. Whatever. You win DDP for the title If you win, you get your title back Which in wrestling is you know the only thing you want And you'll get a million dollars Which is the only thing King wants Is the money So So he's got him sold right there And of course, Gordy answers for him And the King's really like, no, I don't want to do that Because he knows he's going to get his ass kicked by DDP in the ring again It's not going to be a regular match And with a cage around, that's going to hurt a lot more
1: Now let's talk about this cage business here, okay? When you when you think cage matches, you know WCW would do a cage match every once in a blue moon, but they were not the cage match people. They would much rather you know they do two rings side by side and they do other stuff, but cage matches were. They always seem to be like this most over-the-top gimmick. And this one is because it's a triple cage match. You know, you got to go through levels of hell and all
0: this stuff. That they didn't me- even announce it like that until the, the actual night of the show. So he just said a cage match when he, he leveled it off. Then at, at showtime, he said, you're going to have three levels of the cage. So they didn't even lay the groundwork for that until the actual pay-per-view match itself. Which I thought was interesting. But you gotta think back in 1980, I mean, sorry, 1995, WCW did do a similar match to this, um, called the, the Tower of Terror match between. Oh, I remember that one. Yep. Oh. It was Ric Flair and, um, someone else versus Hogan and Savage or something like that. And so they've had this three tiered before. This was a totally different concept than that was, but yeah.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, it was always it always was to me as a WCW fan the cage got brought out usually around like some violent when you really wanted people to just throw down. You know, most of the time they just didn't
0: do it. Yeah, most of the time it was just only really brought out for war games. Every yeah, yeah, the only other time I could think of was I think Hogan and Flair had a cage match in '94. Well, they they did
1: it. They did it, and this was before the the Bischoff era. But they did it at Halloween Havoc once. Yeah, yep. they had Flair and Sting taking on the Great Muta and Terry Funk when that was yeah, going on. Yeah, That was a really cool match.
0: Yeah, it was very rarely used, which made it special. And now you see it every week, it seems. Yeah. Well, and see, that's the the bit though, right? Is
1: that they started just freewheeling and throwing this stuff out, and again, they're giving it away for free. That's uh, they're gonna throw that out there for nothing on yep. Nitro, you yep. know. Which I guess this whole movie is supposed to be a commercial for Nitro is that we will give you movie quality pay per view stuff every Monday night. Well, of course, you can't deliver it on that every time. So, but well, anyway, nobody wants to pay for either. your pay
0: for you. So, yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, why am I gonna buy what I can see for free? So, yep. you, you got a good point. Which brings us to Sasha, and that's a great segue. <laughs>
0: <to> <laughs>
1: good old Sasha and the uh, wow, the old Nitro party.
0: Yep, the after party for the wrestlers. They're sitting back there getting hammered. The Nitro Ghosts are dancing like it's um, a strip joint. And you got Mean Gene in the corner, drunk off his mind, asking the king if he was sexy. Wow. Yeah, that was
1: really awkward and weird. Um, <laughs>
0: that's all I can say. Uh, my, favorite I part, though, is, how- my favorite part, though, is when the king is walking away and falls into the damn sewer. That's hilarious. Something.
1: Well, there's that, and then Sasha walks up and starts flirting with Gordy, and she's like, you got a beer? And he just grabs, like, a half-drunk beer out of some <laughs> guy's hands. And she's like, okay, and goes with it. I'm like, well, now you know Sasha's DTF. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Big time. But anyway, the whole the whole point of that is they're trying to figure out, we got to get somebody to help train the king, get him back in shape. And they get tipped off to Sal Bandini.
0: Yeah. Well, Sal Bandini is like a character who is modeled after like a Stu Hart. If you're anywhere familiar yeah. with wrestling and the Hart family, Stu Hart trained pretty much any great Canadian wrestler who's ever stepped in the ring. And uh St- Sal Bandini is kind of a take on Stu Hart because Stu Hart could stretch and hurt the crap out of pretty much anyone he wanted to is a really tough man all the way up until uh you know a couple of years before he died when he was facing some some serious health issues but this was a feared man by people they would go there and even in uh, into his 80s he would take and make wrestlers cry from stretching them so hard yeah. uh, So he was a, a good guy So this is what I took Sal Bandini to be The old man Who's training in wrestling Loves wrestling It's his whole life And I like the whole character I thought it was a cool character To bring in
1: Martin Landau Never too big to slum it In one of these He does these kind of roles Every now And then where he'll just show up As the, the creepy old wise guy Or whatever I'll tell you Watching this And I know it's a movie That came out after it I was having Rip torn dodgeball flashbacks oh, Where love. the old guy Comes in and just Whips everybody's butt but but it somehow makes you better. Style Bandini's gonna teach the king how to be tough again, you know or whatever. So we're going with that. Whatever. It it works. But Gordy shows up at Sasha's after all of this, you know, to to tell her thanks and all that. And again, we've already established that Sasha's ready to go, right? You know? Yeah. So
0: yeah. yeah. She's fairly uh willing.
1: Easy is the word you're looking for. Yes, very much. But, uh, which is kind of ridiculous, but this you know.
0: this uh, bedroom scene is so telling of what a pathetic loser Gordy is because she says, "Let's wrestle," and he literally thinks they want to wrestle. And she rips off her top, and his response is, "What, Jay?" Foreign objects. Oh, dude, I don't remember. I don't foreign objects. Wrong. And then he punches her. <laughs> <laughs> He's honest to God, really? We've
1: seen how that ends, and it doesn't end well. <laughs> Go back and listen to our Donkey Punch show. Uh, oh, movie. God. that—that uh, that, You know, all I needed was a rip them, though, in that. Uh, yes. <laughs> one, of those, one of those Hogan and Ann Signals in that scene, and, and the circle would have been complete yes. at that point. So, uh, yeah, that that was a really awkward, weird. You know what? I think every scene Rose McGowan's in in this movie is really awkward and weird. Yes. Maybe because she's kind of awkward and weird.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know i just She's don't think in, she you cared know what? you
1: can ding oliver platt for not being in shape you know to do this or whatever and there's no way he would have ever been he's just tall and canadian so he works in this <laughs> but but rose mcgowan is totally miscast they just Could have got one of the real Nitro girls. Get Stacy Keepler or one of those. I mean, those girls could have pulled this off.
0: Yeah, I agree. They could have gone so much of a better route than this and used one of these other actual real wrestling girls. They didn't need to bring Rose in. She wasn't really going to bring any superstar value to the movie. I mean, let's be honest, she wasn't. But
1: but her, so, the whole purpose of her character is what? She's going to turn on these guys. Yeah,
0: she's and, there to basically uh, spy on them and tell Sinclair where they are so they can be attacked.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. They, they get attacked, and Sal winds up in the hospital.
0: Well, seriously, which, of course, though, and, this is the total brill moment of this movie. Sinclair sends oh. Sid Vicious and Saturn to take out Sal. Really, I just needed somebody on a
1: motorcycle to
0: come up and save them all. Oh,
1: jeez. <laughs> mid rape. Oh, oh, we need that. Well, you know what though? We we did get people crying at the hospital bed again. Oh. So we're calling back to Rocky too. Such a such a shadow. So, what is such a good scene? It's just getting ripped off. Oh, by friggin' Hogan. But I want to tell you though. I don't think this is an accident, bro. I think these people are aware of No Holds Barred because they're aping so many of those moves.
0: I know. It just keeps so coming sad. back. It's so sad. Maybe that's the circle of wrestling. I don't it know. It could be that every awesome. wrestling promoter thinks that that's how things in real life would be, right? (laughs) i I I don't know it's it's so bad but here we go back to the hospital and they uh gordy overhears while getting himself a snack sasha talking to sinclair on the phone and telling her whole plan so they're getting ready to leave and go back to basics and learn everything from scratch i guess and she comes out and says oh what's going on oh we're heading back to georgia oh can i come with no, we're going... Oh, no, he says, Oh, we're going back to Basics to find a heart. Can I come too? No, because you don't have one. I thought it was a good line. Ooh. Not a bad line. It's cold. But, but you know what? No,
1: that's, the, that's something Gordy would say just to get at her. Like, yeah. she don't
0: have one. Ugh. You know, he's trying right. to...
1: Again, he's trying to cut a promo on her, which is funny.
0: Which she just kind of yeah. goes, Huh? Oh, okay. And doesn't even really... Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I think that's, that's the end of Sasha until the end of the movie. But which is good. Yeah, she doesn't pop back up until the very end again, which
1: is weird. But you mm-hmm. know, that's again, she served her purpose. So I didn't need more Sasha to make this thing move. No, because you know, the next bit they've gotta they got to get back to you know getting him into basics, and they're gonna get him uh, uh, a posse and all that. We'll give that in a minute. But Gordy gets basically abducted. <laughs> by his family because he is gonna be a policeman no matter what
0: yeah daddy basically says hey um you need to take this test this dad is real psycho right he thinks all his kids need to be state troopers he basically busts his kid all the time even put makes him put his hands on there and searches him for stuff just your typical uh hardcore cop basically and they have the whole family around the table at the beginning of this movie and he walks in and they all pull guns on him.
1: Richard Lineback is is this character, okay? And he's been in all kinds of stuff, folks. He's he was in Speed. He's in Varsity Blues. He's the dad that you know uh, James Van Der Beek does the whole "I don't want your life" and throws the football and breaks his nose. Yeah, you know, he's he's always playing some some jerk. That's kind of his whole career. He just plays some a hole. But um, he's been on stuff. But he's he's so over the top here and so goofy. Like Gordy sends him a postcard from New York talking. About, I'm sure there's another police exam you make me take some of the time, but we believe in the king, and he hangs up in the refrigerator, and he blows the fr- refrigerator away. <laughs> I mean, he's so ridiculous, but it's funny, and I like that he's playing it so goofy, because he's almost like a wrestler, you know, which I think is telling, because that's exactly where this is going to go, you know that eventually he could be brought around to this cuz he's just as fanatical about being a policeman
0: as Gordy is about being a wrestler, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's you know the same exact thing just a different uh, focus.
1: But but they take Gordy out and so now now the dynamic has changed. They take Gordy out and I got to tell you Scott Con and Oliver Platt
0: together are not nearly as interesting when you don't
1: have Arquette there. And I didn't think I'd be saying that. Well, and- but
0: I and feel that way, you're taking the one guy who really wanted to go on this quest out of it and putting the guy who didn't really want to go on it as the leader of this quest now. It doesn't make sense,
1: yeah, it's kind of it's kind of odd it's I don't know if that's supposed to bring Sean around. I don't know what's happening, but again, why are they bringing in all these like rubes to be the posse for this wrestler?
0: We gotta remember that they went to Goldberg at one point in this movie and asked him if he could they could he could help king in this and Goldberg basically said you know i can't do that uh you know i got my job i gotta take it out i just i just can't do it and so they know they can't go to other wrestlers so they're trying these weirdos out and it makes no sense i don't know why they need a posse basically are these kids going to stand a chance against real wrestlers if they have to guard the king hell no yeah well so. you know what how about the how about the remake of we're not gonna take it no,
1: you know, no. kind of like these guys. A little bit of cheap imitation,
0: you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's not,
1: it's not Twisted Sister. Biff Naked is an interesting person and maybe an interesting performer. She certainly had some ups and downs in her own life, but I, I just felt like much like this scene in a lot of this movie this is a cheap imitation of what's going on but i want to tell you fireman fred and the chewer <laughs> that was, i have seen those guys wrestle on nitro i swear <laughs> i have so that, uh, that just, ridiculous yeah actually you, you've seen the
0: chewer was uh was uh this was skinner in wwf he's always <laughs> chewing tobacco and spitting it was gross yeah no it's terrible but they—they yeah, I mean, they got but it's this whole—they got this whole posse, which I don't really get. Then we get finally to the pay-per-view night. Oh, um, it's
1: finally here. Kings, get, well, hold on. Before they get ready to leave, they're—they're they're pulling out in the RV, and—and and who showed up but the Dream Girl for Sean, yeah, right? Yeah, who right. saw him on TV, and she's all about him now, right? Exactly. TV makes but, you attractive. But who does he go give a gift to and hit on? Wendy. The. Wendy, the the not well, she's not bad looking, no, you know, but the different, you know, the cute girl who's into your stuff, exactly, you know, and and you know they they wind up you know getting it on, and then you know we see Scott Con you know butt naked running down the street, which I didn't ever need to see. <laughs> no, I agree. But, yeah, I got it, so there, there <laughs> we are, and now it's back to, we're back to tonight and death threats to Sting.
0: Yeah, basically, Sinclair comes up to Sting and tells him, "You need to make sure that uh, King doesn't get that belt because he's going to be sitting up at the top of the cage, right? So he needs to make sure that that you're never going to. King doesn't get the belt, or and if he doesn't, he's going to kill him." Wow.
1: Yeah, really. I'm like, conference room tomorrow. That yes. that whole flashback there with Sprell. <laughs> and, and I want to say this, too. that I hated that when they did that with Sting. They stuck him in the rafters, and he just stared at people. The Crow movie ruined Sting for me forever. And I've never even seen The Crow, but it just,
0: bah, just ruined it. You know, the I, I loved... Sting from the rafters. I love the whole story they did with that. The whole waiting for almost a year for that to really come to fruition. Uh, It was suspenseful. It was great. It was awesome. He never spoke. He never did anything. I loved that whole thing. That was awesome. But uh, this was many, many years later and they're trying to really kind of recapture it. And it was just bad. But again, it was was played out that 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 was played out after Sting beat Hogan. After Sting had beaten Hogan for the title, Sting should have gone back to a different look. He
1: should go back to the spiked hair and the and the paint and the whole bit. Yeah, he kept it all the way up
0: until last year. Actually, this year. Oh wow! Well, he's He's, still wrestling. He is, and he finally changed his look. And guess what? He is now the Joker. even worse. Style. Anyway, style. <laughs> moving on. But now I'll tell you, nothing compares to
1: Sean's orange pimp suit. Oh, that's terrible! Terrible! That the worst looking thing
0: ever. How did they come up with that? And well, why I is I a pimp leading that... the king to the ring? I don't know <laughs> why. Why is any of this happening? should he be
1: dressed up like the court jester or something with a little? Would have made a little more sense. Pregnant? Yeah, I guess I don't know. Maybe he should have been like a you know a knight. I don't know. Yeah, that <laughs> I mean, that would have been ridiculous the too. The The He's in this. And then we got the cocked hat and the whole bit. He looks like one of those characters you can make yourself if you're playing like the Godfather game. You know, you can actually make the outfit and be, be yeah, him. terrible. But it's it's terrible. Of course, it's time to ready to rumble. We bring out we bring out Michael Buffer, your favorite person, and, and he does the whole bit. The cage match of triple death.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Or what the hell?
0: The cage of death is three levels, ladies and gentlemen. You have to get through each level, and on each level there will be another series of challenges for you. And then at the top is the title, and you have to make it to the top, take down the title to win the match.
1: So it's kind of like ladder match combined with cage matches. It's, we got everything we're, we're mixing our chocolate and peanut butter here regularly now it's, it's oh on. yeah oh yeah
0: yeah what, what's up with ddp not having his real music that's what i was it, wondering i mean this is are, the wcw movie so why yeah. didn't they give him the rights to use his normal entrance music it would only make sense I, <laughs> unless they wanted
1: to have something else on the soundtrack which is horrible
0: but if they're gonna but, call him uh, ddp then use his damn music. People know him by the music. I don't know. I thought I know. it was odd. I,
1: I I can only imagine. Maybe they paid all that jack to Michael Buffer to be able to use Ready to Rumble, so they couldn't. I don't know. Now nah, they had him on <laughs> payroll,
0: so they didn't need to pay him anymore. Uh, good point. Good
1: point. I I don't know. Just it was really weird. So, but the match gets going, and Sinclair quickly calls out the Goon Squad.
0: Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to to come out and 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 they were under the ring. Yeah, I mean, by the way, the whole time. Yeah, what were they doing? Was there a trap door? I mean, what? No, they they, they This happens in wrestling. People sit under the ring for the whole show and then come out in the main event. It's silly. I've
1: I've been under a wrestling ring. That is not a place you want to be. Okay?
0: That's no. Not, I mean, trust me if you've heard some cl- of the stories about what people do under the wrestling ring, you don't want to be uh, there. Yeah, <laughs> even beyond that, but but I mean, just to be there, you don't want to be
1: there. That's a oh, that's a terrible place. But whatever. I mean, it looks like all hope is getting lost, right? Everybody is bringing the beat down.
0: But King's starting to hold his own. Go ahead. Including King's own son, Frankie, who makes an appearance and turns on his Uh, daddy. Oh. did we see that before? David Flair, baby. David (laughs) Flair turning on Rick. Yeah. How'd how'd that work out for you? Yeah, not so good. (laughs) That's that's all I'm saying. He did get to date Stacey Cleaver for quite a while, so I guess it worked out well at the time. Uh, I'm going to say
1: his career still moving. She's dating Clooney now. What is he doing? Isn't he refereeing and, you know, R N A or something like that? Ring of Honor?
0: Who what cares David what Flair's Clooney's doing,
1: doing Yeah, well, uh, David Flair's not. Uh, he's not living I don't off think Dad's t- money. We know I don't that.
0: Think t- well, Dad doesn't have any money. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Yeah. So, sadly. But, yeah, you're right. But, yeah, so they had that whole heel turn there, you know, and my whole idea was did Vince Russo write this, too?
0: I would imagine yes. he did.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is this is oh terrible. But then, when all hope seems lost, here comes Officer Gordy with his friggin' motorcycle jump of doom.
0: Yeah, total rip-off of the Mountie.
1: I don't even remember the
0: Mountie. Oh. That sounds horrible. Jacques Rougeau as the Mountie? Oh, oh my gosh, now I know him, Classic. but I didn't know he
1: played the Mounty. He played oh. the Mountie.
0: Absolutely. Oh my god, what a...
1: What a what a depressing idea. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, he had just... good success with
1: it. Oh my gosh. Well, again, but it's about 20 years late here. True. Right? This is their is whole bit. So here's the thing. I'm watching this match go down when Gordy crashes the motorcycle in the ring and doesn't hit anybody. This, there's 20 people in this friggin' ring and he doesn't hit anybody. <laughs> of course. And. And I see Goldberg get the jackhammer, and I'm like, that must have been contractually obligated. <laughs> so we had to show him do that again because we've only seen it 575 other times. So one more, what, what's it going to hurt?
0: Well, you got to, you got, yeah, that was just terrible. But you got to love Sasha coming in there and getting clobbered with the ladder. Oh, was like, oh that's the good. most phoned-in
1: part of her performance. That is the worst
0: <laughs> line readings. Ever, I swear they brought
1: her back for this. She thought she was dumb with this movie. They brought her back <laughs> and she was like, Whatever. And she read it and walked off the set. I there's no proof to that. I just firmly believe it because I've seen Rose McGowan act. She actually can, she is not doing it here. And she gets creamed by the ladder, which is
0: dumb. Wow, that's dumb. That's, enou- that's a way to get rid of her for good, I guess.
1: Yeah, it knocks her cold. She's done, and that, that's the end of that, right. And it looks again like hope is lost in who comes to the rescue out of the raft.
0: Oh, yes. This stinger. He turns Uh, on Sinclair with his bat. Apparently he doesn't think Sinclair can kill him.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, yeah, there's no proof that he can actually ruin somebody's career. Oh, wait, about 70 minutes ago. Oh, damn. I forgot that I was actually in that match. Oh, yeah. Maybe I wasn't there that night, but I mean, really, that's, uh, I think he just, uh, you know, (laughs) didn't like being in this movie.
0: Yes, Uh, yes. And then the whole, uh, the, the match obviously goes to end. King, King gets to the top of the cage as Sting helps him by clobbering DDP and then King puts him, what did he choke slam him? What did he do? Did he pick him up or no? No, no, no. It looked like it looked like DDP was going
1: to slam him, but. It, uh- king got him up and slammed him through now here's the thing when page is falling through that cage his body begins to turn over but he lands flat of his back and they do it the shot in like multiple stages which lets me know that was a poorly performed
0: stunt oh absolutely there's no way they're gonna let page fall that far down that would kill the guy but here's the thing if if page goes through the top of the cage that's a pretty small top of the cage if you remember correctly where is where how's the king still balanced up on the top there because that cage is gone there's only one sheet on that cage it's not like
1: it's hanging onto the belt i don't know i don't know you know you're right though because he walks across it to get the belt yeah no clue maybe he's hovering in air just i don't know the air that's underneath (laughs)
0: he's he's the king maybe he he can just float
1: He's using the same hoverboard teleporter that Gordy and Sean used yeah, to move all over go. the There you go. That's got to be it. They, they
0: took it from Back to the Future too. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be some well.
1: God. Hey, here's, a, here's an extra prop. Took. Let's use this. <laughs> they must have taken some of the really bad writing, too, because it's all over this thing, let me tell you. But but <laughs> after that, you get the, the, the codas here yeah sean and gordy go after sinclair yeah because you know sinclair's whole bit is that i made wrestling right and gordy throws out there no you didn't make wrestling we as in the fans made wrestling
0: right right
1: and And so now that's the 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 age-old struggle is right is that who's really responsible for the success of the stars in wrestling the promoters or the fans
0: It's a good question. And a lot of times it's the fans will dictate what, where the promoters push. Because if you look at things and, and if you're, you're a promoter and you're trying to push something that just doesn't work, uh, take Chris Masters for an example. They tried to push him forever, and nobody gave a crap. Six pack. This it's uh, called X Pac Heat for a reason, folks. But anyway, yeah, no, it's it's a good question. The promoters definitely have a big say in it, but it's if the fans don't buy it, it's not going to work no matter what. So it's really a good balance between the two. But again, they go and beat up Sinclair because that's a smart idea because he still runs the company here, ladies and gentlemen. Is it really wise they- to beat him up? <laughs>
1: They throw him to the fans, who begin to beat him up, and I'm going. Where is the tank security?
0: Well, at least he didn't get electrocuted by his own TV gear. Uh, videotape. <laughs> Correct.
1: He didn't. At least Alice Page just landed on the ring. He didn't land through the ring.
0: Oh, yeah. he should have. From that fall, that would have made more at sense. Well, yeah,
1: but we're doing the final bit, and Goldberg's all about. He's got to have his third moment of face. Oh, but hold time, on,
0: hold on, hold on. Yeah. First off, they're, they won this match and they announced that, that, uh, Gordy is going to be the tag team partner for the king and Sean's going to be the, and, and then they flash to everybody cheering. Wendy's cheering. Hi, oh, that's my boyfriend. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. But then all of a sudden daddy cop is okay with this because he's cheering oh. like a madman for that. He's he's been won over because his you know the rest of
1: his family is going. He's using the cop angle as the gimmick, and that's what brings you over. Because again, the the fanaticism. I bought that. I actually thought that was kind of. I mean, it's it's definitely Disney moment of the week. You know, writing, but it it worked for me. I was cool with it. And of when, course, when I'm not cool. Yes. What I'm not cool with is that they come up with the law, also known as the law, according to...
0: And his oh catchphrase.
1: Oh, I will bust you, oh, which is, the, just terrible. is worse than I will rule you. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> and, of course, Daddy gets all excited when he says, that. Ah, <laughs> my kid. All Uh-oh. I needed was somebody to
1: throw the rip on right there yes, in the free frame, yes. and it was over. That was all I needed. Yeah. You know, that could have happened at multiple times, but he could have <laughs> said it, thrown it, and we could have gone into a course of we're not going to take it, and that would have been it. So, Cause you know what? At that point, Brian, I wasn't gonna take it anymore either. Uh, well, we got to get one more moment with Goldberg. We go back to the friggin' convenience <laughs> store for reasons unknown. I get no, no reasons known. The tour. We find out the tour bus is going through that town, and you got Sean telling the same three kids again, "See dreams come true, kids." And these guys are like, "Are you really gonna be a part of the company?" Then Goldberg throws the rude clerk through the glass door. <laughs> wearing
0: his gear, his <laughs> tights. <laughs> so apparently Goldberg likes and to walk around in his, in look, his underwear. Look, I'm with dude, this movie is so dumb
1: that I am through caring about that anymore. This is so bad oh. that and it's so shoddy, you know, and it ends with a shoddy remake of a Queen classic, you know, the movie's littered with this, you know, and all I can say is they ride off into the sunset with Martin Landau in a hot tub going, God bless America. And, and I'm going, that is the weirdest truncated ending to a movie I've ever seen. It's even weirder than somebody getting electrocuted and everybody being okay with it. It's even weirder than some of the stuff they pulled on Nitro through the years. Yeah, I really, like, that, should, that movie should have ended in the ring with everybody triumphant. I didn't need the coda at the end. That, that made no sense at all.
0: No, and, and, and here's the other, the other kicker. They show the, the limo, I guess, or tour bus, or whatever the hell it was, come up with the Nitro Girls in. And sh- that's when Sean says, yep, dreams can come true and flashes the sign, like, he's going to get laid by the Nitro Girls. But isn't he now with Wendy? I know, awkward. It's a little weird. Again, but man, still, Goldberg I, I, in I, tights at the shopping convenience store—that just made me. I think. I, I, I think I rolled over in my chair laughing at that, dude. I
1: feel like that was tagged onto this movie oh. for reasons that don't make any sense. Like I think they wanted to end it in the ring, and they realized, no, nah, we need one more thing, and so they they got that and they shot that in a day, oh, and that terrible. was it. It was a terrible ending. It really was. But, Brian, we're at the end of the podcast and the part where we give our final recommendations and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Ready to Rumble?
0: It, it's it got some really poor writing in it, and uh, it's not the greatest movie in the world. But it's nostalgic for me as a WCW fan to watch it, and I kind of enjoy that. Plus, I remember what happened the whole time around this. So it kind of brings back a lot of memories. So for me, I'm going to give it a small popcorn, but it's a much, it's close to a medium popcorn for me. It's not a great movie. Uh, You know what? It's not great at all. It's,
1: it's teetering on the line between small and medium in terms of story and things. But I got to say, I like you had a lot of fond memories associated with this thing. Not only the era of wrestling when I was watching it, but like I said at the beginning, watching it with my buddies, you know and the memories that brought back and there's a lot of laughs in here i mean look there are a lot of stupid movies you could just watch people this one's just good for fun i mean i think if this is on i, I mean this is way better than leprechaun too. Oh, yeah. you know so
0: I, it's hard say to get worse this. than that
1: <laughs> yeah i mean this is this is pretty funny and, and i like there's enough in here i think to get you going it's long that's the funny thing this movie is an hour and 50 minutes long so you could like nap in half of it and not really miss anything but There's enough to go there. I I mean, really, you could. (laughs) But I I think if you can get beyond some of the bad lines and the bad acting, and if you just want to have a little nostalgia and you're a fan of that era, you can do this. I'm going to give this some medium popcorn. This is some matinee, next day medium popcorn right here. But it's certainly better than the last wrestling flick we did, yeah, by, by a mile, you know, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So I had fun with this one, and I'll, I'll give it that stamp of approval. Folks, we thank you for joining us for this uh, podcast. We had a lot of fun talking about this movie. You can find other uh, entries in our podcast at com slash movies. You search for our archives, we've got Harry Potter there, all the Batman movies, we got you know leprechaun movies like we've talked about no holds barred you gotta go check that one out if you haven't heard that one yet folks and you listen to this lots of other stuff there check it out let us know what you think by hooking up with our social media pages facebook and twitter there leave us a message in our guest book check out our sister podcast the art of slaying a buffy the vampire slayer retrospective where brian and i go through every episode of the buffy the vampire slayer uh, series and you can catch up there we got three seasons of it uh, out and we're in season four now so you know go enjoy all of it it's there for you we do these because we love them and we like sharing them with you so until next time for brian i'm Jay. thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. oh that was great thanks for listening to film strip visit our website continuousplaypodcast.com for more reviews and episodes
0: i can't believe how much
1: we suck All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17.